Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. You've just landed in the Sin Bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers. You went to Princeton and we're all Eastern, weren't you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. And Otto Rogers. <laughs> you can't <laughs> life. All right, welcome to tonight's edition of the Seattle Sinbin. Uh I am the aforementioned Paul Rogers, and uh, is the aforementioned Otto Rogers on the line with me? The uh, the aforementioned Otto Rogers is on the phone. All right, how you doing tonight, Otto? Doing great. You know, um, weather really nice weather day, and uh, was able to uh, enjoy some sunshine before the rain starts coming again. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had sunshine in Yakima today as well, and it has been a long winter, and it felt like spring today. So I felt really good. I felt really good. Uh, but we've got a great show for you guys. We've got a great show for everyone tonight. Um, we haven't talked to Mr. John Barr in a while, and he is the founder of NHLTheSeattle.com, and John's going to join us here in a few minutes, um, and we're going to talk about the arena situation, both in Soto and Tukwila. Uh We're going to talk about the uh, status of NHL expansion, uh, possibly any relocation opportunities, and some good old-fashioned hockey, too, because he likes to talk hockey. Um, and then after that, later in the show, we're going to talk to Brandon Rivers, who is our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks. Does that sound like a good show, Otto? Sounds like an amazing show, Paul. I am excited. Right. You know, I'm excited, too. And uh, one of the reasons is um, this weekend I'm taking uh, the weekend off and uh, I'm taking my family over to Kent. And we're going to take in our first Thunderbirds game, and it's going to be against the Winterhawks. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I hope, uh, you know what? Who I do you hope that win that? Uh, there, there, there might be some shenanigans going on uh, due to uh, some <clears throat> uh, uh, extra stuff that went on down in uh, Portland a couple days ago. So there might be some more shenanigans uh-huh. going on. Uh, I mean, was, you know uh, what? I hope. So. Was a, Go ahead. There was there was a there was a uh, you know. Uh, a pretty hard hit, um, a check, check to the head by one of our players with one of the Winterhawks players. And, and uh, um, you know, uh, he got three games for that. So I think there might be some hard hard feelings. So this should be interesting. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I, I hate to say this, Otto, but I kind of hope there's a brawl. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> When I when I was in college, my freshman year of college, I I went to a, a college called George Fox, and it okay. is in Newburgh, Oregon, and so it's about a half hour from Portland. And then uh, one night we had a uh, the the people in our dorm had a date night, so the men invited the women on dates, and <laughs> I honestly can't remember who I talked into com- coming with me, but it was the kind where the roommate asked for you, and so I don't remember. Who came with me? Who the girl was? Uh, but I remember I gave my roommate two choices, and he asked both girls, and both of them said yes. And so I was in a bit of a pickle, so I had to choose which one I wanted, and I don't remember who it was. But we went to, the, <laughs> to a Winterhawks game in Portland. That was my first hockey game ever. And I I believe it was the Thunderbirds there, and they had, like, two just god-awful brawls. Um, and at the time, you know, I hated that kind of thing and I, I was kind of appalled at it, but now, um, now that I've gotten into hockey, um, you know, it doesn't bother me so much. And I, I like rivalries. I like intensity and, you know, the only games I've gone to this year or even last year, uh, during the regular season were in Tri-Cities. Well, Tri-Cities is, you know, they've got good fans, but there's not as many of them as you'd find in Portland and Seattle. And so I'm looking right. forward to seeing what the what the atmosphere in the arena is like because I've never really experienced that 
at a hockey game where you've got that intense rivalry. So is that what I can expect? Is it going to be loud in there? It's 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 gonna it's gonna be pretty crazy. I mean, the the Winterhawks are definitely uh, Seattle's kind of number one rival, you know, because they've been rival for years and years and years. So uh, it it should be pretty ridiculous. Um, hopefully, there's not too many too much alcohol in the stands and shenanigans in the stands. Um, uh, yeah. My my suggestion would be maybe not. Uh, to not sit near the uh, Winterhawks, uh, you know, like other Winterhawk fans, because it might get kind of surly there. So uh, most, oh, most yeah. fans are, are, are pretty, you know, are pretty good. But you'll have one or two Yahoos yeah. who uh, ruin the fun for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I hope not, because my kids are going to be with me. So I, I hope I don't run into that. But I actually got already got my tickets, and uh, if anyone is going to be there. Um, look me up. I'm going to be in section 103, I think, in row 17. And uh, those those are the best tickets I could get at this late date. Um, and you weren't sure if you're going to be there or not, were you? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I I I am not. I don't think I will. Um, that was that was kind of one of the weekends that um, I wasn't able to to get up there. Um, so that that is a shame. <laughs> Because yeah. you know we even go to about two or three games a month, mostly like on Saturdays. Um, um, but this you know this weekend's a little different. You know, got the whole Valentine's thing going on. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the only part that sucks because we're spending the night over there with my kids, and the next day is Valentine's oh. Day. So we're going to spend half of Val- <clears throat> half of Valentine's Day traveling, and we'll have to figure out how to have our fun later on. Uh, so hopefully when we get back, I can talk hey, to the, uh, the old parents and yeah, Mr. PG. Mr. Rogers, this is this is a PG a PG rated show. Well, yeah, but when I when I said have our fun, I meant like I don't know playing play ping pong or something. Oh yes, um, fire up the Xbox. I hear ya. Yeah, fire. yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Um, Looking forward to talking to John tonight. Haven't talked to him in a while. I have we had him on since the expansion fiasco? I don't think we have. The last time we had John on was the the final the final show before the expansion deadline. And we said we'd come right. back if if we were getting good news and and obviously we didn't get good news so we'd come back for a while. So <laughs> uh, John yeah. was our last was our finale for season one, so it was it was a good it was a yeah. good show. It was a lot warmer. And I remember I remember he was really nervous that something bad was going to happen. Yeah, I was you know what? To be the, I was trying to be the voice of positivity, and it turned out he was right. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about that about that you know that how that all transpired, right? Every every source, every I mean, everyone was coming out of work saying. That we didn't have one bid that was gonna make a bid. We had multiple bids, right? So when you go yeah. from like multiple bids to zero bids, it's kind of it's, yeah. it's definitely a gut punch, you know. And uh, I'm I'm you know I'm kind of like in the middle. I remember that conversation. You know, I mean, John was a little more pessimistic. You're a little more optimist, optimistic. And I think I was kind of like riding the pine a little bit in the middle. <laughs> in regards yeah, to you were dragging. I think I think you were more pessimistic than than optimistic actually. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know what? not just not just multiple bids, Otto. There was serious t- chatter that we were going to have three bids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were going to have three bids. Right, yeah. Because we were hearing was, uh, that Jack Sperling was close to doing something in Bellevue. Yep. Uh, we were hearing that Ray was was all ready to go in Tukwila, and we were hearing that Victor Coleman was going to apply in Soto. Um, and then just one by one, oh. we find out oh. on that day that none of them are applying. It was just unbelievable. It all, all, you know what? I, you know, I I definitely had a a few moments after that. You know, we've been going through this for years, you know. So um, we we we're, we're kind of used to disappointment, um, but let's just get this final street vacation done March fifteenth, right? Public the public. Yeah. Uh, Public uh, meeting public or meeting. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's show yeah, up. Public let's comment. Get heard. I I heard it's gonna be super busy, so not want to get there a little early. Otherwise, we're not gonna make it to the room. Yeah, so. and 
the initial the initial decision has been made to do it in the primary council chambers as oh. as opposed to what's the what's the other big room that they had it in before or something like this. I want to call it the Bertha room, but does that sound right? Bertha Landis or something. Bertha Landis, that's something right. Landis. It was the Bertha Landis room. Yeah, and it's huge, and they had overflow, overflow uh, seating upstairs, and right. there was thousands of people that showed up and hundreds of people that commented at the one that I went to, and the initial decision has been made, at least right now, that they're going to have that meeting on March 15th in the main chamber room, which I think kind of sucks because I, I think it's good to have, to open it up to more comments. I mean, yeah. they're they're taking the time to open it up to comments. I mean, they have to, but they're they're giving it a full blown examination the second time around, and it just seems to me like if you're going to do that, you know, open the open the forum up to where as many people can get in there as they can. Um, Paul, I and you know, just have that, it out. Right, I've been in that room. You can you can stick maybe like two hundred people in there, maybe maybe less, maybe a hundred. It's not very big. You know, I went there. Yeah, the council chair. I went there when um, we had all those uh, all those meetings with uh, the first time around um, when yeah. you know before the Sodoms left. I, I was in those rooms and hearing testimony and, and you know and so it's a really small it's a really small room. So hopefully they open it up. Yeah. If not, then you know I implore everyone that's going to show up, you know, show up early because last thing yeah, we want it's more is important more, now. Right. Last, yeah, it's last more important now to show up early. Right. Last thing we want is, you know, is having a room full of Port of Seattle uh, union members who, you know, are getting paid to, you know, go sit in this thing. So um, definitely show up early. Definitely wear wear your sweaters, wear your jerseys, whatever, wear your colors, and just, you know, like be there and just kind of let let the council know that this is important for us. And, and not yeah. only are we sports fans, but we're also voters. Right. So, and we all spend money right. in the city. So, let's let's get right. that done. And then the other thing is, even if you get there and there's no more room in the chambers, I think they probably still have to let people sign up to speak, and maybe they can call you in from out in the hall or something. Um, and so, yeah. even if you get there and it's too late to to actually sit in the chambers, uh, still sign up because we want as many testifying for us as we can. And so with that being the case, the, the reason you really want to show up is for the visual, right? Uh, you want the right, atmosphere exactly. in that room to reflect a pro arena atmosphere. And so we need to fill that room up before the port can. And so I really encourage people to come out for that. I'm planning on coming out. Um, uh, one of my Sonic, Sonic Rising buddies uh, is going to let me crash at his place that night. Um, <laughs> and so It's a party. I'm planning on going. Yeah, it's it's going to be a party. And, but it's going to be an important party, and uh, you know, you and I should ha- should hook up there when we get there, and you know, maybe go out for something afterwards or something. We've got to do exactly. something, right? We got, um, yeah, we, we definitely maybe. got to do something, uh, or before. I'm not, you know, I don't know. <laughs> right. Okay. So, question, Otto, when you get to that meeting, uh, when it when it comes time to show up in those in the city council chambers. Are you coming in Sonics colors, or are you wearing a hockey sweater? You know what? I am the co-host of the Seattle Sinbin. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I am gonna be wearing a hockey sweater. Yeah, so I'm gonna be wearing some kind of hockey thing. I don't. Own, I don't currently own a sweater, um, but you know, maybe I'll try and maybe I'll try and pick up a Metropolitan's jersey just for that meeting. Um, well, what? I, and yeah. then maybe I'll wear my maybe I'll wear my Sonics cap. And wear wear a Metropolitan's jersey as my shirt. What, what, how do you think that would go? But that would go great. When when I say hockey sweater, uh, sweater is also another term for jersey. So right. I will be wearing right. my hockey jersey. <laughs> yeah. So uh, are you going Red Wings? But I would. I think I'm going to go T Birds. I think okay. I'm going to go with okay. the local local team. You know, it's you know we got. I think it's important to show that yeah, there's a lot of fans. Other NHL and other NHL teams are like the big six teams here, but that there are also a lot of fans of of the junior hockey, of the hockey that we play here, and I think it will be important to see you know all all the local teams out there you know see 
see the right. silver tips, see, see Thunderbird. You know, if anyone's coming over from the east side, see the Americans, the Chiefs. Heck, you, you know, we've got some right. coming from Portland. You know, let's see some Winterhawk jerseys right. in there, you know. So um, I think it's important to kind of see well, all the Well, let's not levels. go too far. What's that? Let's oh, not yeah. go too far with Hey, you know what? Here's, here's the thing with the Winterhawks. You know, I, I really believe that if Seattle gets a hockey team, that Portland will – I. I really think Portland would be a huge market for for Seattle. I think we're gonna get a lot of fans coming up from from yeah, Portland I agree. that either that either want to be like want to be the fan of the local team or just like you know their their team is the Bruins or the team is the Red Wings. Right. They want to come see the Red Wings or Bruins. But I think I think Portland is gonna have a, a big impact in regards to uh, out of town visitors for for a potential NHL team. Okay. Hey, Otto, we, uh, we've got Mr. John Barr on the line, I believe. Uh, All me, right. Let me get him connected here. John, can you hear us? I can hear you pretty well. How are you guys doing? All right, great. Doing great. Uh, we were just uh, recollecting about the last time we had you on the show, and it was the very show before the um, expansion fiasco last summer. And so... That didn't go very well for us, did it? So I bring a lot of luck to this show. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, what we were just talking about when you when you called in there, John, was the the March 15th uh, public hearing. Are, are are you going to that <clears throat> meeting? Uh, I'm going to do my best to go there. I actually have a hockey game of my own later that night, but uh, I I think it's important that that. The NHL is represented, or the NHL fans are represented, so I'm going to do my best. The problem is I'm a captain of the team, so so it's not always good that the uh, captain misses the game. But I will. Uh, I'm going to do my best. I'd say highly likely right. I'm there. I'll be there. Okay. And if you if you're able to make it, uh, what what are you going to be rocking? Jersey? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'll uh, clean it up a bit, like a little uh, uh, tie for the. For the city council, but I also oh. have the Metropolitan's the Metropolitan sweater that I can uh, break out. So, okay. So you're thinking about going suit and tie? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Whatever the the okay. vibe depends what the community wants, and and uh, you know, like I don't know. Just uh, maybe we'll see. I don't know. Maybe it's a surprise. Okay. Maybe it's a swerve tactic for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, everyone, we're talking to John Barr, and John is the founder and operator of, of NHLtoSeattle.com. Uh, he is the uh, one of the predominant voices in the Seattle community about bringing professional hockey to Seattle. Uh, he also plays hockey all the time, watches hockey all the time, and uh, so he, he's one of us. Um, so, John, when, when all that news came down last summer, uh, I feel like I, I – want to get a feel for how you were feeling when that happened. When we found out one by one on that Monday that Bellevue is not going to apply and Soto is not going to apply, and then finally about a half hour after the deadline we find out Tequila was not going to apply, what went through your head? Uh, you know, it, it's tough, right? There's um, I thought we had the inside track. I thought the, the timeline the NHL built was really for – Seattle in mind and obviously devastated, um, but it wouldn't be the first time that this I've ridden this roller coaster. And, you know, as much as uh, we don't like uh, moving teams, um, the Coyotes vote was kind of last minute as well, um, just two years prior. So, or a year and a half prior. And, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been a roller coaster. So I guess I, I, I've been through it before and kind of got over it pretty quick and, and realized that these, this is a pretty complex problem we're trying to solve, like aligning a professional franchise, a league and an arena at the same time with no arena built. Um, it's, it's pretty challenging. And, you know, if it was my money, I would try to make it happen, but who knows, right. If I was in that situation and, and I knew all the information that, that, Victor Coleman, Ray Bartosik, or any of the Bellevue group, uh, the Bellevue group people thought, right? And, and they kind of knew their, their glide path to resolution, and maybe they just didn't have confidence in turning that, turning that application and knowing that it, it might not succeed. 
Um, so here we are, and this is we finally got all the environmental reviews done on Soto. We've got the transportation studies done, the recommendations, and now finally, 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 uh, the city council is starting to address the issue of street vacation. Um, what What's your feeling right now as to where we're at? How, how, do you feel good going into these meetings, or do you think we've got a challenge ahead of us? Uh, I think we have a challenge, honestly. Um, I, I think the it's it appears that the arena is not a priority, and 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 there's probably good reason why it's not a priority. We've got some challenges going on in the city right now. Um, but you know, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like we can address two different, two or three different things at the same time. They're they're eventually right. it's got to be a priority. So it's taken a back seat the last year or so. But in a way, it's time for it to kind of surface, and and it's about getting this thing across the finish line. And the reality is it's just about that, that street vacation. All the studies say that there's no adverse impact for that arena going in. So it's as much as I'd like to say it should be an easy an easy checkbox and, and a quick quick vote, we, we know we could be surprised again. So I'm 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 nervous. I'm nervous and I I'm just not not sure, right? I don't I I think they're the way they're dragging their feet implies that it's still not a priority and maybe they don't they don't really want to push it through. So I'm I'm nervous to be honest. I'm you know and uh I who knows what will happen. Hopefully we'll get some more information even before then, right, about any additional right. information coming from any of the potential ownership groups, but we'll see. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's it's definitely, it's probably better to be nervous, honestly, because we don't want to make the mistake of underestimating this. It, we don't want to go in thinking, oh, we got it, and then not put in the work and then find out, no, we didn't get it. Um, so it, it's best to just assume that we got, as uh, Jeff Baker likes to call it, a bare-knuckle brawl on our hands. And that's why mm-hmm. it's so important for people to come to the March 15th meeting, if, if at all possible, and just pack that pack that room out. Get as many people, get on the list to testify, even if it's for thirty seconds to say I support the arena. Um, you know, get your name on the record, get it documented because we, you know, this is politics, and we're we we have not been the top priority for the last year, and so um, we need to we need to make ourselves a priority in their eyes. Um, and so, John. It looked like le- later in the year, like in December of last year, um, it looked like Tequila was in danger of falling off the map. Um, we were having there were reports. Well, it was reported in multiple places that uh, Mr. Bartizek was behind on some payments to the city of Tequila. Um, he still hasn't found that big investor, um, and there, there was concern raised by both Jeff Baker and Chris Daniels that uh, Ray was about to drop out if he didn't find that investor in December. But um, he told us, he told Chris Daniels that he's still in as of a couple weeks ago. What's your sense about what's going on in Tequila right now? You know, it's it's, uh, tough to get a read. I don't, I'm not overly confident. Uh, I thought that had the lowest amount of hurdles to um, clear to get a, uh, to get an arena built. Um, based on where you know everything leading up until the uh, NHL uh, expansion application, and for whatever reason it didn't it didn't formalize, and maybe people walked away. The economics just didn't make sense down there, or or what? I'm I'm not totally sure. So I I haven't seen much other than saying yeah we're still around, but um, I, I you know I could say that too, but that doesn't mean I'm going to build an arena anytime soon. So I would say right. I'm 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 not optimistic but maybe it's me trying to set my expectations pretty low i mean obviously i'd welcome it and i know that they've done a lot of work to even get it to the point it 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 is at but i just don't know how much more progress is going to be made and and what they're waiting for and if it's just an investor issue or what but but that's that's that you know maybe i'm not trying to be you know pessimistic here i'm just trying to be realistic since we've been disappointed so many times right Uh, no i agree with you um, and, you know, I get, I kind of get the feeling and I, I don't know if this, uh, for sure, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't reveal much, Mr. Bartizak, 
Um, but I, I wonder if um, he's he's hanging around just long enough to see if Seattle botches this in Soto. And it, it seems like it might be easier to land that investor if, uh, for some reason, Soto gets rejected or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. But either way, I'm glad at least he's still around and working on it. And yeah. we'll, we'll have to yeah. see if anything materializes. Well, um, I, I think that's, I think that's an excellent scenario that you, that could play out, right. Is that, you know, maybe it, it appears that Soto might be the lead in the lead position, maybe, but they have to clear these last arena hurdles. And, and if they don't, then Ray cranks the machine up again. And maybe investors that were, were thinking about Soto move to Tukwila or something to that regard. Right. Right. You know, and one of the things that Jeff Baker had reported in the last month or so um, was that the the negotiations between Victor Coleman and Chris Hansen, um, well, obviously they they haven't been able to come to an NHL first deal yet, and Baker was reporting that one of uh, Coleman's team told him directly that that Victor Coleman was not interested in in making any serious com- commitments to the Soto project until he knew that it was going to be approved through the councils. And so um, it, it, that makes me wonder if maybe Coleman has been waiting for this street vacation vote before any serious negotiation between him and Hanson take place. What do you think of that? You know, I, I, I hate to speculate, right? Cause I think we've been just doing, we've been doing that for quite some time, particularly with the NHL first scenario. Right. And so, even though it sounds like speaking through a spokesman that uh, Coleman has said, you know, he's waiting for the street vacation vote. And, and I, I think that's, that's hopeful, but I also kind of, again, like just want to not lower expectations, but be realistic that this might not be the next, that might not right. be the, the milestone, the milestone that really pushes us over the edge. Right. We, I, we've had a lot of those milestones where we're like, Oh, if we just get the final EIS study, published right if it just gets recommended by the transportation committee you know it it's this chronic like if we just make it to the next milestone which is great but it's not it's not going to be the end game until we literally break ground with a an nhl first scenario and you know we see chris hansen and victor coleman shaking hands on some podium or or whatever right that's what that's where i'm going to get <laughs> excited i mean i don't right. i'm just trying to be realistic about it because and you know, you and I both have been here from the very beginning, right? With the Sonics, um, you know, yeah. in the early stages of those MOU discussions, right? And we saw how close we we felt, right? And and unfortunately, we see I see it on Facebook, I see it on Twitter, I see it, you know, people sending me emails about how disappointed they are, and 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 they have a right to be disappointed, but maybe we're setting expectations too high, speculating too much to let this thing play out. Uh, what right. we can do is just continue to support it in the way we are, build the gr- grassroots and, and community development like that we're doing, be there for the the um, any town hall, city council meetings, et cetera, to show our support and, and to make it clear that this is important to us. So, right. I mean, again, I don't want to be this negative, pessimistic person, but I, I just know that the community has been disappointed multiple times, and it's not just – hockey fans it's it's sonics fans as well i mean probably no i, I agree I, Sacramento I managing, went out. yeah i think managing expectations is, is actually very important um you know i you know i i watch people uh keep doing this to, to themselves where they think that the clippers are coming to seattle and i, I see people firmly convinced by that and I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it just seems like they're really getting their hopes up for something that no one else is saying, uh, and it makes me cringe to watch. Um, Otto, do you have any questions for for John here? Yeah, well, it's not really a question, but I wanted to talk to John. Um, John, I I saw your post on Facebook today uh, about the great cause of the Ronald uh, Ronald McDonald House of Western Washington, can you talk a little bit about the charity you're playing for? It's the 18th annual Ronald McDonald Hockey Challenge, and, and how people can get more information about that. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, um, I've actually been participating for over 10 years now in in what's called the Ronald McDonald House Hockey Challenge, and it's really a conjunction with um, the Ronald McDonald House in Seattle and the Seattle Thunderbirds. And it's it's a series of games that are played before the Thunderbirds uh, Everett Silvertips game on February 27th where teams raise money to play in those games and, and it all, all the money are, are about, you know, minus any cost, which is less than 5%, but most of the money goes to the Ronald McDonald house of, of Western Washington um, and Alaska for that. Um, and it's just been a great cause. And the Ronald McDonald house has always had a great relationship with hockey. They've been doing it for, you know, longer than I've even lived in Seattle. And when I moved here and it was in conjunction a little bit with Microsoft and Microsoft put some teams. They played, um, you know, Amazon's put a team every once in a while. They put a team in there, uh, Sun Microsystems, Oracle. There's other tech companies have have played in it. But it, it's a great way to mix kind of my two passions, which are philanthropy and and hockey. And the Ronald McDonald House, if you're not familiar with it, is this amazing organization that provides kind of home away for homes for families that have children that need to be in Seattle for health reasons, right? So maybe they're in Yakima, Yakima and, and there's some some major health concerns with a child and they need to be in Seattle and be at Seattle Children's, uh, you know, every day. The families actually stay at the Ronald McDonald House and some of them don't have the money, right? They're already stretched because they can't either, they're no longer working because they have to be with their child or, or whatever. It's It's obviously a huge strain, but the Ronald McDonald House puts this great kind of community feel to it where you, you have um, a community, you have resources, and, and it's fairly economical, if not compensated at some times. But it's just a great way to give back. And the Thunderbirds put on a great show, and the Ronald McDonald House, you know, really values what we do in raising the money. And, and the players are just ra- raise up to about, I think, $200,000 a year which is amazing. Like next time That's you great. see a, a halftime show on an NFL game or, you know, where they say, Oh, we raise this money. Remember that 200,000, this is done by amateurs, not, not professional uh, football players, but right. it's just amazing that thing we do. So if you want to find out more information, I put a little bit on the website, nhlseattle.com, but Go to the Thunderbirds website. I think they have some information on it. Go to the game. And then after the uh, Thunderbirds-Everett Silvertips game, there's actually a celebrity or all, what they call an all-star, all-star game where former NHLers or formal, former uh, Seattle Thunderbird greats come and play like kind of a like an all-star game, which is, is really neat, and the crowd usually stays around for a bit. It's, it's intended to be a lot of fun. And you see Brendan Witt, who, you know, is a – a beast on the ice, but he had, he's out there having fun. And Jamie Huscroft, who's a local NHLer, played uh, I think close to 20 years. It's just a great, great all-around day, and it's a it's a great way to give back. And it's just an amazing event that I would I prioritize my life around it because it's it's such an important cause. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've actually been to the the All Star Game afterwards. It's a long, it's, it's a lot of hockey. <laughs> It's definitely a long yeah. day, but you know it's, it's for a great cause. So, and I I wanted just to call that out, uh, and, and and you know to our audience that you know this is something that's really cool that you you can kind of you know bring philanthropy and hockey and kind of mix it together and you know and play for a good cause. Yeah, and uh, and I'll do a cheap plug here that I'm going to be matching any donations. Uh, up to a certain point, but then if I get 50 individual donations, I'm going to kick in another $500. So even if like 50 people donate $10, which isn't you know isn't that much, I'll kick in another 500. And and so I'd, I'd love to spend that money, right? Which is is <laughs> you know I wasn't planning on spending it, but if the community kind of steps up and does it, I'm gonna I'm gonna step up on my side too. And will right. that link be on your NHL to Seattle.com? It is on it is on the link and I'm gonna post it on Facebook probably in the next day or two. But okay. thanks for the thanks for the opportunity. But I do want to spend that money, so I'd love to see the community and I and I'd love to even point to that. You know, when it comes to the city council, yeah, the community stepped up, they donated 
X amount of dollars. And, and as a team, I've got these pretty sweet NHL to Seattle jerseys that I'm going to break out for our game. So be on the lookout for those. But um, it's uh, it, it would be great to say, like, even if we don't have a team, we're able to raise, you know, last, last year my team raised $40,000, um, uh, you know, across 20 people, which is a lot of money to raise. So, um, but part of that was the community stepping up and, and donating as well. So that's great. Okay. Um, John, before we let you go, um, I'm going to be at the Thunderbirds Winterhawks game this Saturday. Any chance I'll see you there? Uh, I, I think I was asked to go from a friend, but I had another commitment, but if you're going to be there, I might change my plans to to make it down there. So I'll, uh, if cool. I can get out of my other, I got plans, my tickets I'll, I'll today. I got my tickets today, and um, I'm gonna take my family. And I think I'm gonna be in section 103. If you if you show up and wanna wanna hang out for a bit, I'll let you so, know. I'll I think I'll, be... I'll reach back out to to my contact that that asked me to the game, and then uh, and I'll let you know. But it would be great to all right see each see each okay. other in person. Now, technically, we've we've seen each other like three years ago. I think in the uh, the At Seattle the meeting, government yeah. building. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, John, thanks for coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future. And have a great night. I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. I love I love listening to the show. You guys cover some great stuff, and uh, it's amazing what you guys have done. So I really do appreciate it. Thanks, John. Right. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. That. All right. That was uh, John Barr of NHLToSeattle.com. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Brandon Rivers. When America needed to cheer, the world watched the impossible dream come true. Volkswagen salutes the 1980 USA gold medal hockey team. Here in their new Volkswagen Vanagon, the greatest hockey team in the world. Get your free team photo and see the full line of Volkswagens at your local Volkswagen dealers. You know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the Thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you. Can you feel? That's hockey love. The hockey love. Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrong he has done, that is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. From Midtown to Marriott, Jonesboro to Alpharetta. Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey, little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. They try so hard, and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him... All right, welcome back to Seattle Sinbin. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm having a technical difficulty right now or, or not. Otto, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah, good. I Something happened there, and I I thought I lost connection, but I'm relieved to do it otherwise. We lost the intro. <laughs> we lost, yeah, the intro just stopped, so I, don't, I must have actually yeah. hit the wrong button. All right, so Otto, let's bring in... Um, our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks. Brandon, are you there? I am. All right. Sorry we got you a little later than planned, but uh, we're having a good talk with John there. Um, and so Brandon Rivers joins us now, and he is the Seattle Sinbin beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks. And how's things going with that? Are you, are you are you having fun with that this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it for sure. Uh, it's kind of a, a new platform. Um trying to to do a little bit of different stuff over there. Uh, also, you know, uh, <clears throat> I've been running my own blog over at Hodges Heroes, so I, I put stuff on for each game there, but doing a more week-by-week thing with you guys and 
definitely a different platform, probably reaching different people. So that's always good. Yeah. And uh, working with uh, uh, Trampus Adams, who uh, who writes for the Winterhawks over there at uh, at your site as well. So that's kind of a, a right. cool dynamic communicating with him on who's covering what and kind of sharing our insights on the, on the game. It's 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 pretty fun. Cool. And so, as I was telling Otto and John, um, I'm actually going to my first uh, Thunderbirds game this Saturday. And lo and behold, who's coming to town but the Portland Winterhawks. And so, what can I expect to see there? Who's going to come out on top in that game, do you think? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think the season series right now is uh, Seattle four wins and Portland three. They've only played seven of their 12 that they play every year now. So, the teams at this point know each other real well and uh, – some pretty interesting stuff for the last few games. I know they're uh, the big thing takeaway uh, from Portland's 2-1 win last Friday in the, the Rose City was uh, Turner Ottenbright. Uh, kind of an odd, it doesn't happen too often, but a reverse hit to the head, as in Keegan Iverson was about to lay a hit on him after uh, Ottenbright was clearing the puck out of his zone. And Ottenbright saw him coming and got his arms up and made contact with Iverson's head, and Iverson fell to the ice and did not return. It looks like Ottenbright's getting a three-game suspension uh, for the hit. And uh, Iverson is uh, apparently out for some time, so that probably, that always seems to affect the length of suspension. Uh, so you've already kind of got that going. It seems like every year in Seattle and Portland, there's always somebody getting a suspension for a hit to the head. I know uh, uh, Evan Wardley for Seattle got one on Nick Patan last year. And I don't remember the length, but it was a hit to the head that had Patan out for some time. And the year before that, I think it was Brennan Leipzig of the Winterhawks, uh, really dangerous looking hit to the head of Keegan Colsar, who's still there in Seattle. Leipzig's moved on, moved on to professional hockey. Uh, so it seems like, uh, we can count on at least one suspension slash, uh, head injury, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, the stuff that uh, comes after that, uh, it seems like uh, the last Friday there was a scrum after about every single uh, shot on net that a goalie covered the, the puck, uh, you know, creating a whistle there. It seems like there was always some talking back and forth, uh, particularly between Portland's overage forward Alex Shaneborn and Seattle's overage defenseman Jared Hoff. They seem to get tangled up pretty much every time and as as both of those guys are overage guys that have played for their team for at least a few years they know each other pretty well and they both seem to like to play the uh, agitator role so long story short uh look out for those two on uh on this this uh this weekend when you're there all right <laughs> well i'm really looking forward to it uh Otto, what do you got for uh brandon yeah i just hey brandon how, how's it going pretty good how are you He's good. So, like, you know, I was, I was looking at your standings um, today, and it seems like pretty much outside of the Tri-City Americans, all the other U.S. division teams are kind of scuffling. They're 5-5, five 6-4, and 4-6. Five, and, four, four and six. Um, With Portland, what do you think has been going on the last 10, 12 games? Um, wow. Kind of like <laughs> towing the line a little bit. Is it like a, you know, what's what's the uh, – are they just running the hot teams? Are they kind of slumping a little bit? What's what's going on with Portland last year? I mean, this level this level of hockey, the consistency you're you're really going to see a lot of lack of consistency. Some nights, I mean, even a really amazing team like you know one I got to witness for Portland a few years ago that rattled off like I forget how many fifty something wins um, and set like set team records. Uh, they would even fail to show up some nights. Like you definitely see that across the board. But man, if Portland has not a, really been affected by a failure to to be consistent, I know uh, some of the some of the ways they're losing some of these games is just it's kind of shocking even to a guy that's watched them for for many years. I mean, uh, game against uh, Spokane right before the Christmas break. They were leading by one with uh, seconds left, and their best all-around defenseman, Jack Doherty, uh, was scuffling with a Spokane forward in front of the net and just kind of threw him to the ice, like pretty much body slammed him to the ice, meaning that Spokane got a very late power play and scored with seconds to go to tie the game, force it to overtime, and then Spokane won in overtime. So they had a game 
sewed up and they just they threw it away. And you know, this these are some of those skilled players doing this. Uh I know Dominic Turgeon, uh Portland's, you know, leading scorer and captain had a, a two straight really poor cross ice passes that led to to goals uh, a while back in a in a close game that ended up somewhat costing them the game. So it's 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 these skilled guys that are winning them a lot of games, but it's the skilled guys that seem to be find a way to to lose them some games too. Um, but that being said, I, I really what's what's shocking to me this year is is their record against the BC division, where they usually play. I I think they play four games against each of the five teams compared to their interdivisional record. So their record against the BC division right now is four thirteen one and zero four wins. And they have two games left. Wow, that is just <laughs> awful. I mean, and yet their 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 record within the division team ten one and zero. So they have a winning right. record against Everett, the team leading the U.S. division. They've the only loss against Spokane over six games so far is that OT one I just mentioned. <laughs> They've won all all the other five. Uh, they're six and three against Tri City. So they seem to play really well against teams that they know. <laughs> But the BC teams, for some reason, I haven't quite been able to put my finger on it. They do not fare well against the BC division. And yeah. I mean, so if you're Portland, you're really hoping the way the playoff format is set up that you stick within the U.S. division because right. it works, works the same way as the NHL. You know, the the top three teams are set within the U.S. division, so the top three teams in the division, which Portland right. is not right now. And then the other two are wild cards, meaning if Portland is a is a what looks like maybe eight seed, if they fall to the eight seed, which I think is what they're sitting in right now, they hold yeah. on to that over Tri City and, and fall into the eight seed, they're gonna play Kelowna and not only play Kelowna in the first round, but be forced into that B C D bracket, which is not a good like <laughs> a good sign. Uh if you follow the regular season, that probably means uh, a quick exit. Uh but if they can find a way to get that three seed or maybe even uh, the seventh seed and play Everett in the first round. I don't think Portland's scared of any, any U S division team right now, especially, you know, the way they played every game has been tight. Right. So despite, you know, being at the bottom of the standings, which is something Portland fans are probably not used to as of late there, there is a, you know, I mean, if it gets to the playoffs, it's a whole different animal and you got a lot of guys like the, uh, Dominic Turgeon, Alex Shaneborn, Keegan Iverson, if he gets healthy, played a lot of playoff games, have a lot of experience, uh, a lot more experience than a lot of these other teams, and that can play big roles in the playoffs. So so we will see. But I, I just I, I can't get over the, the record against the BC division. I, I don't know why that is. <laughs> right. Um, how do you think uh, Aiden Hill, how do you think he's done this year? Um, he was really, um, you know, they're, they're, he was kind of like the big star coming into the season. Do you think he's kind of lived up to expectations for this season? Maybe a little, or maybe overachieved a little bit, or a little underachieved. You know, it's it's tough to say. I, I would say most Portland fans would say he's underachieved, but my opinion is that he, I mean, it's the, he he kind of is who he is. He's a very big goalie, six foot four, plays a strange style. Uh, it's a big goalie, so when he gets down to the ice, it really takes him a long time to get back up. He can sometimes go down a little too early. Uh, it seems like teams really go after the five hole, which is you know right between the legs there, especially when they're breaking in on him alone. And yet he'll make just highlight. Re- I mean, he must have ten highlight reel like level <laughs> saves. Like if this was the NHL and we could get on, you know, the WHL could get on Sports Center, Hill right. would be on there pretty consistently. But then again, let also let in a few goals that have you have you scratching your head that might end up costing you a game. So, you know, to start the year, he was right up there with uh, Everett's Carter Hart. And, and I, I don't know if you can compare the two. Hart is kind of number one in almost every category um, right. in the WHL. And he's the only one right now uh, that's played in more games than Aiden Hill. He's played in 50, in, and Aiden Hill's played in 47, considering both teams, I think, have played 53 or 54 games or something like that. That's, right. <laughs> it means the, the backup's not getting a lot of time. But um, so for, for Hill, 
he he could definitely get hot and he can he can hold this team in and, and he probably went around in the playoffs. But he, I mean, just just like the rest of the team, like I said, lack of consist- consistency and and Hill uh, has he can give up some pretty poor goals. Um, so so I, long story short, again, I think uh, <clears throat> I think Hill is somewhat underachieved. I might agree with the rest of Portland fans, but I still think he has that potential. And he's shown it time right. and time again to to just steal a game or two. Right. Is there is there any concern that there, uh, about the amount of games he's played? I'm looking at his shots shots allowed, and he he has more shot, he has more than the 200 shots allowed more next to the the next uh, closest uh, goalie. Yeah, it, 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 it was 1642. That's yeah, 1642. I mean, yeah, <laughs> everyone else is like around a thousand or like 1100. Um, is that a, is that is that a defensive concern? What's the it's what it's the style. So I think Hart is way. I mean, he's got over 300 less, and right. but the te- their two teams play such different styles. Portland likes to play that up tempo. Uh, their defensemen are are seems like they rely upon them almost more uh, to to get the puck up and 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 push the play and push the play and 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 try to keep it hemmed in the other team's zone and and that can lead to uh, you know, a lot of back and forth, high quality chances, and Hill has shown that he w- seems to like playing that style, and he'll make it. You know, that's where he'll make these huge saves. Excuse me, but you know, it's it's going to make him f- face a lot more shots. They're not that shut down style defense that Everett is. Like Everett's more about blocking. The, I mean, if if this uh, if the you know the WHO website collect, collected block shots, Everett would probably lead the league by far. They're a, a, a very Team defense oriented team that's that uh, is not so much about getting the the puck out the way that Portland likes to play. So they face less shots, but they're going to get less chances as well. So Portland, I, say, I would say, if you you uh, recorded scoring chances like high quality scoring chances, Portland would be right up there. They're they're good at creating those, but they also give them up. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I like going to Portland Everett games because it's it's definitely. Both teams are trying to impose their style on the other team. And right. who usually wins the game? If Everett wins, it's usually a real low-scoring game. And if Portland wins, it's usually a little God, little higher good. scoring and they get through to, on Hart. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. But as far as the games, amount of games played, yeah, that's that's a big concern. Uh, I mean, because just, we just don't know what Michael Bouillon is. We've seen right. some positives and some negatives from him. Basically, the only times he's got in was the stretch of two games to start the year when Aiden Hill was down with an injury, and then Aiden Hill had an illness that kept him out uh, right before Christmas break. And since Christmas break, Michael Bouillon has not even seen the net, not even coming in relief. Right. So uh, it seems like, I mean, what we saw a lot with Coach uh, head coach Jamie Compon is it seems like he likes to ride his high-skilled guys I mean, he's, if he's going to go down, he's going to go down, you know, with his with his top players out there. And Aiden Hill is definitely one of the Winterhawks' top players. So it seems like he's going to ride him. Uh, and hopefully uh, no injuries happen or anything like that, because if they do, oh, we don't really know what Michael Bouillon is. <laughs> the unknown is there. Right, right. No, it's uh... – it's, 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 you know what, that U.S. division, it's all getting crunched up, you know. Every, you know, everyone's going to kind of separate themselves. But now you got the Chiefs uh, only two points behind Seattle. You got Tri City; they're they're kind of on a late season surge. You got Portland right there. It's all it feels like it's just going to be a mad scramble to the finish. Yeah, I think uh, I read somewhere earlier that the longest winning streak of any team in the U.S. division this year, I think, is six games. Seattle had a six-game winning streak. What you look across all the other divisions, they're like eight, nine, ten, eleven game winning streak right one team would have that exactly it's just uh they all seem to be at the same level or which is somewhat surprising to me because i thought seattle had this i mean they have the most offensive skill (laughs) traded for landon bow and gave them that solid goaltending they needed but i i I think matthew barzell has about the same amount of points and about the same amount of games as last year and usually a high-skilled guy like that, you'd look for him to just start Explode. scoring a ton. And I think it, and well, what's, 
what, what what's interesting was that um, before he went to you know the World Juniors, I mean he was he was exploding with with, but you know what? So was the team, right? So the, the Thunderbirds yeah. before before like midwinter break, they're you know before Barzell went to, to for the World Juniors, you know the Thunderbirds were doing really well, and so and obviously you know the way Mar- Barzell goes, the Thunderbird goes, right? So because Barzell sure. was putting up a lot of points. Um, and then he came back, and now, like, you know, Seattle, you know, they're losing 2-1, 3-2. You know, that the offensive cohesion is not there. So, you know, I, I'm there with you. I don't, something, I don't know what happened Puzzle. after <laughs> after winter break, you know. For sure. I mean, he's played six games against Portland this year, and I think he has three points. For yeah. Seattle's far and away best player, like, in my opinion, the high, one of the highest skilled guys in the league that I've seen. Right. That you you look for those guys to carry you. I know in the past, right. like I don't know, I remember how many points Bjorkstrand, Oliver Bjorkstrand for Portland had against Seattle last year, but it was it was more than two points a game against them. Well, it wasn't. And wasn't wasn't there a game he had like five goals or four goals? Yeah, I think at least four goals. Yeah. yeah so I mean, <laughs> when you play those those uh, rival games, uh, you know, those, those as they call them, four point games because they're worth two points each, right, because you're trying to catch a team. Right. Those four-point games, you look for your high-skilled guys to show up, and and it's somewhat puzzling that Barzell has not fared too well against Portland this year. Maybe some of it's, you know, uh, Hill and, and Portland's defense as a unit, but I think some of it is Barzell. I know he missed uh, – he had a wide-open net uh, yeah. when his team was down by one, in the th- I think in the third period uh, last weekend, and he just fired it yeah. right wide. So I don't yeah, – Somewhat puzzling. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what's. I don't know what's going on as far as that because you know, it, it's not like he has to press to like try to get like you know improve his draft stock. He's already been drafted, right? So yeah, it's not signed, like he, yeah, yeah, and signed. So it's not like he's trying to like you know like press to get more score more goals to like you know improve his draft stock because he's already been drafted, which is it's kind of a unique experience because you know in college, you know NCAA like football basketball. You know, once you you know you press and press, so you can you know to get noticed, you can get drafted. But then once you get drafted, you don't come back. So, yeah, so you're like gone. The, the, the juniors is kind of a different model. Like you get drafted and then you come back. So it's like you know you're already drafted, so you don't have to try to do everything by yourself. And I sometimes you know I see that I see sometimes he he tries to do too much and he tries to do it all by himself, and then that's kind of when you know we get into trouble as he tries to do all, all by himself. No one else is, you know, really like they're kind of standing around as he kind of, you know, tries to do all by himself. And then, you know, the end result is we don't, we don't get a good shot on goal and then we end up losing the game. So. Um, yeah. He's, sure, he's got those high, you know, Ryan Grapp draft pick for the Rangers yeah. signed. Keaton Coles, our draft pick for the Columbus Blue Jacks. Yeah. Blue Jackets signed. And so yeah, he's got he gets, skilled guys that he, they, they try to put him with all the time and, some reason it hasn't quite clicked like you said it was clicking before the uh world junior break and it hasn't really clicked since that i've seen yeah i think i, I want to say the three games under 500 uh after uh, from december 4th on which was just before world juniors but they definitely haven't been playing their best and i'm not really quite sure what's going on you know but yeah i thought for we'll sure see. they would they would pull a portland from last year when and Portland got their guys from back from World Juniors, and they went on just a Crazy. It was 12, 12 game winning streak or something, and just yeah. impressed Everett for first place like big time. Yeah. Maybe but, if we uh, had it hasn't happened. Goals. Maybe if we had Aiden and Hill and goal, we would have been able to pull off goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but Landon Bow, I mean, he's he shut out the Winterhawks a couple of weeks ago, and I know he's facing some, uh, dealing with some injury stuff right now, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, so these I haven't checked uh, Seattle's interdivisional record, but. At least it hasn't done had been well uh, as of late because uh, I know they've lost quite a few games recently to Everett. Yeah, yeah, Everett, and we lost we lost a heartbreak to Spokane before the Everett game. That three that three game stretch was kind of was kind of brutal. Like two games that we we probably should have won and then lost, and then we beat the Rockets in Saturday, but really needed that Everett game. But you know, it's you know what this this fight to the end. And this is why I love the U.S. division, right? It's, Every team, it, you know, your rival, you're pretty much all of these teams are your rivals, you know, and it's it's, it's just tough and it's just going to be a battle to the end. And, and I think 
I think the Western Hockey League is just it just shows that there's so many really good teams and so many fa- passionate uh, fan bases that it's just a really good entertaining level of uh, of and, and caliber of hockey. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the playoffs. I'm looking forward to attending a lot of games in either Everett or Seattle, and it just it just I, I just I just love uh, the the change. And I know a lot of people were critical of of uh, the new, new playoff style that was introduced last year that made it more divisional based, but I love yeah, it. I like it too. So, well, that's that's all the questions I had for you, uh, uh, Brandon. Thank you so much for. Uh, jumping on with us and kind of telling us what's going on with Portland. I'm going to throw you back to Paul. All right. Um, Brandon, before, before I let you go, are any chance I'll see you at the game Saturday? Uh, I think I might actually be down in Portland that weekend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to catch the Portland it. game. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're playing uh, at home on Friday, so I'll be there, but I won't be back up here okay. uh, at a family thing I got to go down for, but uh but yeah, okay. so I'll be down in Portland. But I uh, hope to, yeah, hope to we, definitely we catch really, you at a, another game. Yeah, we we talked about this when we uh, got everyone together last fall, but we really do need to plan a get together for all the staff to where we can get to, you know get to go get to know each other uh, and just have a fun night with everyone. Maybe we'll do that when the season's over, just to kind of uh, uh, do a look back and see what what worked and what didn't and. Uh, talk about input for the future and things like that. But, uh, uh, Brandon, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. I know we'll have you back on before the season's over. And Thanks so much for having me. You have a great night. All you right. Too. Thanks, Paul. Bye. All right. That was uh, Brandon Rivers, and he is our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks. Um, Otto, we've already gone past an hour here. <laughs> I, I've We've had such good conversations, and, and I hate to bring it to an end, but I, I don't like to go much over an hour. But uh, what, what's your takeaways from the show tonight? Um, I think the, big, the biggest takeaways for for me, I, you know, I think we're getting we're starting to get back to the cycle where, you know, as as NHL fans, as hockey fans, um, we're going to have to start letting our voice be heard in in relation to. This the Seattle Arena process. Um, you know, we've been told, you know, like just be ready. There's going to be a time where we need to mobilize and let our voices be heard. And uh, that time is quickly approaching. March 15th. Circle that on your calendar. 5:30 p.m. Yeah. Um, you know, be there with your with your colors on. Right. And, you know, I will be. Uh, I'll be surprised if uh, Chris Hansen's people don't have another rally in mind at some point. Um, I, I would be very surprised if they don't do that. And so, yeah. uh, check, Paul, keep, keep checking back with SeattleSimbin.com and SonicsRising.com, and anything that comes to light regarding uh, rallies organized by Hanson's people, we'll we'll let you know as soon as we know. What were you going to say, Otto? Paul, he, re- yeah, he really needs. Um, I know they they put something out, <clears throat> uh, a timeline on Seattle or SonicsArena.com, I think, or SeattleArena.com. Um, but he, it's time for him to become visible. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, he's he got needs to be doing radio interviews again. And, yeah. It's time. Yeah, know? he needs to come up here. He needs to come up here. He needs to do uh, the radio, the radio program circuit, uh, softy show. Um, yeah, I don't know who now on. I don't know who now on Cage on Cairo would do it. Would have him. I'm sure some yeah. anyone of them would have him. Um, Maybe he could come on this show. I'm sure our fans would love to hear from him. Right. I mean, what what we heard from the, the you know the council was that you know this just really wasn't important anymore, and and it just didn't seem like it had just gotten put you know to the back. And I think, yeah. like you said, I think it's time for Hanson to kind of resurface and put this back out in the spotlight to kind of give it that final push. I think we need that final push to get it over the hump because didn't Chris Daniels state yeah. that I want to say on KGR, he said that uh, the final vote, it's going to be close. I mean, we thought we had the vote. Yeah. We thought it was seven, two or six, three. Now it's close. I mean, it's not over yet. Even yeah. past the street vacation, we still have a final vote, but it's quickly coming time. Yeah. 
Anson to do one last final push because why won't you? You know why wouldn't you? You've done all this other work. I mean, put in that last, not you know, ten percent. Let's push it over the hump and let's get our teams back. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, I'm sure he'll do it at some point. Uh, probably not as much as we want him to, but uh, the, it would follow his pattern. Uh, before major vote to uh, put himself out there again. Uh, he's just been behind the scenes and, like, way behind the scenes <laughs> for two years now. And, you know, now that it's back in the hands of the councils, it's a political question again, and that means he has to put face time here in Seattle. Uh, and if that means he flies up here and gives gives interviews to Chris Daniels, and I'll say it, even Jeff Baker – uh, I, you know, I know that they, they've had kind of a strained relationship, but he, he needs to be making the rounds. I mean, uh, Jeff is a beat writer that covers this beat, and so he needs to talk to him. And, you know, he needs to talk to, to Chris Daniels, and he needs to talk to KJR, and he needs to talk to uh, the TV stations. He needs to come up here and do the circle, do the rounds, and get this thing done. But uh, oh, anyway, that brings us to the end of the show, Otto. And thanks, as always, for, for coming on with me. And uh, I'm sure we'll have another great guest next week, another couple of great guests. Um, Not sure who that is yet, but we always have someone good show up. And uh, thanks to uh, John Barr for coming on the show tonight. Thanks to Brandon Rivers for coming on the show tonight. Thanks to Otto, my co-host. And thanks to all of you for listening. And we will see you on the other side. Thanks for joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.